Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome to episode 394 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast and a blessed Advent as we are just a few days into the season of Advent in preparation for the celebration of Christmas. And so, therefore, we are rocking the purple lights for this incredible season. So I figured today we'll talk a little bit about what I uh, what I and the family are doing for, for Advent, um, going just a little bit into a couple of things that we are doing, and then also talking about some news that I was able to officially confirm on Sunday, and that is that I have returned to Twitter and uh, I'll explain a little bit why that is the case. I explained this a little bit on Saturday evening stream. So if you were here for the Saturday show, you know kind of already my mindset as to, to what prompted me to return uh, to Twitter and start from scratch, essentially. Because uh, when I said I nuked my account, I absolutely meant that I nuked my account. Uh, the account that once was no longer is. And uh, it will never come back. And so we'll talk about that. And just as usual, we'll also give some box office updates. Because as we all know, if you've been paying attention to the box office, you've been following my box office breakdowns, you know that Black Panther Wakanda Forever officially has hit the break-even point that it needed to hit. So it is now raking in some money. The question, of course, is going to be how much money does it rake in? Some are, of course, speculating that it tops out somewhere around $800 million. I think right now, if you had to if you had to basically pull a, a final number out of my head, the only range I could think of would be somewhere between 850 and 950 based upon the numbers that I'm seeing, how it's doing internationally, where it's tracking internationally and especially with how it is tracking domestically. We also, of course, have the big news because same company, Disney, who sees itself making its money back with Wakanda Forever, is not seeing the same thing with Strange World, as Strange World is set to, actually, when all is said and done, there is a very good chance that because you have these two films out around the same time, that Strange World will end up having been such a massive financial failure, such a massive flop, that it will have made... Any of the gains that they would have made from Black Panther, poof, gone. So even though individually we can say Black Panther making some money, in the grand scheme of things, over the course of the next couple of weeks, as far as films being out around the same time, guess what? Ah, that's right. They still end up being at a net loss between those two movies. We'll, of course, have to wait for the official numbers to come out before we can talk about that. But... Before any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button. Love that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. Smash the rumble button if you're watching over there. And let's go ahead and say hello to the people that we have in the chat. Currently quiet over on Rumble and Odyssey. I'm sure that the people will start coming in over there. We've already got movement over on YouTube. So let's say hello to the master of gaming. Hail to you. Thank you for being here. Gmonkey76, hail to you. Uh, Master Gaming then says, and tag to say, what happens if Twitter goes bankrupt? Will the SJWs migrate to another platform? Well, the hardcore, uh, the hardcore leftist elites are already fleeing the platform. By fleeing, I don't mean that they're giving up the platform. They, it's it's amazing to me, right, how a lot of these uh, elites that are on Twitter who talk a very big game, right, saying, well, I'm going to move over to Mastodon and and I'm going to move over to tribal social and, and all these very, you know, in some cases, far left 
uh, or perceivably far left organizations. In the case of Mastodon, uh, there's some open source. So it's interesting that there's some complaints actually going on that people are being censored by Mastodon since there are individual servers and people therefore in charge of what happens on their individual servers. So I think that's interesting. But what's amazing is that all of these same people are still on Twitter. All of these still, all these people still have an active Twitter profile. And even if they were to say, oh, I'm going to get rid of Twitter, my guess is, is that they would not do what, what, what I did, right? When I said I was getting rid of Twitter, I, I meant it. I, I literally nuked the account. And unless you re-sign or unless you reactivate within 30 days, everything is gone. I think I had about 11,000 followers or so, which, again, you know, it is what it is. It's numbers. And for me, as much as I care about numbers, when it comes to that, that doesn't define me. That doesn't determine the value of, of myself. And so I was very, very much not that hurt, or I was very much not hurt by or affected by the fact that I, I lost out on a massive following of people because I was like, ultimately, these are not the most important things in my life, right? The decision that I made a couple of months ago was very much in connection with mental and spiritual health. Those two months away, two plus months away from the platform were incredibly beneficial to me, had a huge impact on me, and ultimately uh, have put me in a position to where now I do feel comfortable returning to that platform in a much more limited space. So even though I'm on the platform and I'm back, and we'll get more into that in, in a second, it is definitely a much more limited capacity. But I guarantee you, here's, here's going back to the main point. I guarantee you that all of these crazy loonies that are, that are doing all of these threats, that are doing all of this, this talking, right? That's all that it is. It's all talk. None of them would actually be willing to nuke their platform, to nuke their account, and actually lose all of those followers, the vast majority of them would never do what I and some others probably, because I'm not the only one. I'm not trying to prop myself up here. Anyone else who has ever nuked their platform like that, I, I don't think any of these people would actually have the cojones to go through with it. Just like, right, back in 2016, there was a lot of talk about people saying, oh, I'm going to move out of this country. I'm going to go to Canada. And it never happened. The same thing is happening here. It's always amazing when these people are bad-mouthing Twitter, and yet they are doing it where? On Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, ugh. And it just kind of also shows you how so many of these people really should not be on the platform. It actually shows you why so many of them probably have social media addiction. A lot of them probably need to do something similar to what I did and just cold turkey nuke it all and, and take some time away. Not only because of the crazy things they're saying, but also because they're showing clearly that when they say, oh, I'm going to leave, and then they don't because they can't, okay, there might be something else going on there, right? Especially if, if they honestly believe the things that they claim to believe, right? If, if they believe that the platform is on the decline, if, if they believe that the platform is truly going to to go under why would they continue to 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 partake in it and that's one of the things that elon musk is doing so beautifully is that he is playing them all like fiddles he, he's showing the mere hypocrisy 
of the of the loudest persons in in the room, right? In the public square, in this digital public square that we call Twitter. And it's just so phenomenal to see all of these different things happening. It's one of the motivations as to why I was uh, prompted to rejoin the platform. And again, I'll get more into that in, in a second. Not a very long story, but still one I think worth mentioning there. Tina B is getting ready for her cruise. I hope that you have an amazing cruise. Uh, flight to Orlando is coming up in a few days, and then the cruise itself is 65 days away. So I hope that you have a wonderful cruise. Have fun preparing for that. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, hail to you, says a good day to be English. It's a good day to be American, Gary Banjo Sandwich. I'll correct you there. Yes, kudos to you. Kudos to you for your little football club making it to the round of 16. But guess what? We Americans did as well. I know not everyone's into the World Cup. I I, I do like the World Cup. I, I do think that it's fun. And it's also great to be able to cheer for a U.S. soccer team that, at least to my knowledge... Because if there is any politics, it's not nearly as overt as the U.S. women's team. It's good to have a team that I'm actually not ashamed of and I actually can actually cheer for. Versus, was it next year is the Women's World Cup? Guess what? Since a lot of the same people who are just so <laughs> who are just so ridiculous and so insufferable are still going to be on the team, guess who's not cheering for the U.S. women's team next year? This guy. It's amazing how you will probably see, you know, I, I don't know how they're doing the metrics, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if the amount of traffic that is being brought about by the U.S. men's team and where they are surpasses easily even the successful U.S. women's team. And I think a lot of it's because when you watch the U.S. men's team, you don't really feel like you're being pandered to. You don't feel like you're being preached to, whereas with the U.S. women's team, that's all there is. The, the most insufferable thing about the World Cup Right, other than it being in a, a country like Qatar, and obviously I think that anyone boycotting the World Cup for that reason, completely justified. Completely justified because of the just the, the crazy nonsense that goes on in that country and many of the other countries in the surrounding area as far as their human rights violations are concerned. Absolutely worthy of, of being called out. But it's also just so... It, it It's so incredible to see some of these, like, real world scenarios playing out on the soccer pitch. You know, like it's amazing to see today. It was the USA versus Iran. Who, who do we have an, an active, you know, civil strife or at least a somewhat strifeful situation with Iran. Obviously we have a terrible deal with them where they're getting billions of American dollars, but that's a whole other discussion for a whole other channel. But the point of it is that we beat Iran. In a nonviolent way. And that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing to see. And that's what's really fun about World Cup soccer in general. But it would not surprise me if when the numbers come out, though, that what we're seeing right now as far as the support for the men's team is going to vastly outweigh the support for the women's team. And it has nothing to do with gender. Megan Rapinoe. It has everything to do with your agenda. Getting back to the main point, the most insufferable thing about it, other than it being hosted in, again, a country where there's problems, is the fact that the commercials are, are awful. 
Uh, it's being hosted by Google Pixel, and Google's Pixel's commercial is about as woke as you can get. It, it features several uh, trans people, right? It does it tries to do all of that nonsense. Features Megan Rapinoe in it as well, which is just already insufferable because everything she does is insufferable. So if she is on the team, because I don't care about the, the women's U.S. team because of their political statements, if she is on the women's team, and I again, I think it might be next year that is the Women's World Cup. Either way, I will be very happy to choose to cheer against her and to choose, a, a choose to, to cheer against her entire team for, for the nonsense that they try and push. But hey, kudos to the uh, to the men's the U.S. men's soccer team for making it into the round of sixteen. Great game against England. Great game against Iran today, and uh, it was great. Gary Benja sandwich. Tied to say Apple TV just up the prices from four ninety nine to six ninety nine. So any free Apple codes would be nice. I don't really have a lot of Apple codes. In fact, we only ever have Apple TV when there is one of those like you get it for free when you get a new device. So my wife had gotten a new iPad several months ago for her work. And so she got a free trial of that. So we don't have one at this point. I think that we might pick it back up once new seasons of some shows that we have interest in um, start back up. But until then, it really doesn't seem like a service that's really all that much worth it, to be perfectly honest. All right, let's see. Kimberly G, what's going on, says, good. I have family Christmas this weekend, so I want this week to go fast just like you do. Hey, I understand. It's crazy, yeah. I mean, the end of the semester also. I mean, we have the beginning of Advent. Again, blessed Advent to everyone. There is indeed this time before Christmas, right before we get so caught up in the commercialized version of of this very deeply spiritual uh, holiday, right? Holiday, holiday itself, holy day. Uh, there's this 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 time of preparation of our minds, of our hearts, for for the season of Christmas. Uh, and one of the things that we have been doing as a family, I'll share in in just a moment. But let's get into the chat. Fred Farkle, what's going on? Welcome back. Orange chat reviews. Hail to you, saying, "How are you doing? I'm doing fine." He says, "It's a cold mountain night. The wind is blowing. The snow is not falling, and." I don't know, I don't know I was going, I don't know where I was going with this, but hail. Hail to you. I appreciate it. Rob D., if you're still there, if you can somehow send me uh, some spicy nuggets. I don't think they do spicy nuggets at McDonald's, but that'd be great. Father Christopher Miller says, ahoy, ahoy there. Alice McCarthy says, howdy, Odin, how's it going? How's Thor? Baby Thor's doing just fine. He is asleep. Advent begins. Is that the one where Jesus gets his training from Raza Ghul? Um, in a way, in a way, one could see the story as being a symbol, just as Batman himself is a symbol. Sure, if you want to go there, <laughs> I'll let you go there. I won't. Uh, Master of Gaming says, if you like Top Gun Maverick, I highly recommend Devotion. It stars Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick, and it's a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, so Glenn Powell plays, basically is the Iceman character in the newest edition of Top Gun Maverick, right? He's the very cocky uh, pilot up against... Um, up against the, the the character played by Miles Teller. And so uh, when I saw that he was in it, Glenn Powell being in this new movie, which is set during the Korean War devotion, it, it definitely piqued my interest. But it's, yeah, it's not doing well at the box office. Nine million or so domestic opening. It's looking like it's going to be a, a pretty massive flop. Glad to hear it's good, though. And uh, glad to hear if they, if you like Top Gun Maverick, according to Master of Gaming, he says that you might also like Devotion. Uh, definitely will be wanting to hear more from other people who have seen it. It's on my radar. 
It's on my radar. Laura, the modern major general of the channel. How is it going, Laura? Just another red shirt is also hanging out in the chat. Hail to you. Merry Advent. Indeed, a blessed Advent to you. Father Christopher Miller, purple lights. These are purple. You might be colorblind, Father, but these are purple lights, whether you like it or not. I said turn purple, and they indeed turn purple. Just because the, the, the color of the actual screen itself may not be perfect, the white balance may not be exactly perfectly calibrated, I can say, looking at this small image in OBS, it is purple and does look like purple. Remember, Sci-Fi, hail to you. I think we have the same debate every year, Father. I think I think you're just colorblind and need to get that fixed. Uh, Joey Horn, what's going on? Says, hello and happy Advent. Happy and blessed Advent to you as well. Thanks for being here. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Again, smash that like button if you're watching over on YouTube. Uh, let's see if anyone's hanging out over on Rumble. What's up, Rumble people? We got Raffles7892, and we got King, King Kane Rumshki saying, wait, are you telling me that people on Twitter are all talk? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, King Kane Rumshki. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, man. But with that being said, as I let the, the chat build up a little bit, don't worry, I'll jump back into the chat in just a second. Let's go ahead and pull up uh, the first story. And I guess the first story... Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, let's do Let's do the advent story first and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into, uh, the, the Twitter one. All right. So, uh, uh, firstly for, for advent, for advent, one of the things that we as a family are doing this year is something called the Jesse tree. Uh, it's actually really, really cool. In fact, I, I think I, I think I did this wrong. Let me, let me zoom in on here. So, the Jesse tree. So the Jesse tree, it's it's this really cool. So on Etsy especially, they have these really great independent uh, local, um, you know, local workers, local businesses, and they by hand craft these these wooden trees. These wooden trees have nails on them, and then they handcraft also these handmade ornaments. This is where I got my Jesse tree from. But essentially, what the Jesse tree is is that every day of Advent. You read a, a portion of scripture, and it's meant to go through the history of not just uh, of Christianity, but most especially the roots and the foundations of the life of Christ. And so you go through all of the parts of the patriarchs of the Old Testament. So you start with the creation of the world. Adam and Eve is what we did today. You then move on to Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and then there's others as well, as you can see from here. But it's a really beautiful tradition. Um, I, I got the book, The Reflection, from Sophia Press. Um, by uh, Eric Sammons and his wife. Uh, he's a very well-known uh, Catholic commentator. Let me see if I can pull up the cover of the book. So The Jesuit Tree by Eric and Susan Sammons. So it's a really, really cool devotion for Advent because it, it's it's based and it is rooted in, in Scripture. So as I said, we have been... So they only show you like a, a free preview for a certain amount of time. Let me see what I can pull up here. So obviously you can see... And, and what's also what I really like about this because it's very practical is that Advent's not always the same amount of days. So this tells you, hey, if Advent starts, if the first Sunday of Advent is on November 29th, hey, that means that you will double up on these two days. So it, it gives you a guide to to go forward with, which I, again, appreciate just from that, from that practical sense. Uh, let me see if it gives you a blessing for the actual tree itself. So here's just an example of, of a day. 
So it gives you, obviously, with the, the first day, it is all about the creation of the world. And so it gives you this reading here from the book of Genesis, which is really nice. It then gives you a reflection that you can use, a prayer that you can use, and then there's a dig deeper section as well. And it just kind of like takes all of these things and, and puts them in together. So it's really, really awesome. So this is what me and my family are, are doing this year is we are, of course, doing our, our typical, we have the Advent wreath. We you know, light or lighting the candles every Sunday for that. Every time we have dinner, we're lighting the candles just to remind us of the season that we're in. Um, little baby Thor has been really enjoying that. So what happens is as soon as he starts eating, we light a candle. He likes the fact that the candle's lit. And then I read through the scripture and I read through the reflection. And so that's something that we're doing as a family this year. And it's really awesome. It's really cool. Um, to be able to, to have that as, as a family. So that's what we're doing for Advent. Anyone who does celebrate Advent, please let me know um, in, in, the, in the comments uh, what you are planning to do and what you are doing uh, for Advent. I would love to hear it. But this is where I got my book from, from Sophia Press. Really, really great, uh, very orthodox, um, traditional uh, Roman Catholic website with a lot of really great, um, a lot of really great programs going on. Their Benedictus program is great. And I believe they are also uh, at the front end of the Tradivox series, which is this collection of uh, basically all of the major catechisms throughout time. And what's just amazing about it is you just see this, this, this vein and this line of continuity, all very consistent all throughout the centuries of these catechisms. And then, of course, you get to the 90s and... Anyway, that's for another day. But let's go ahead and move on to the next story, which is that, yes, indeed, it is still tied to Advent because, as you can see, my, my pinned post, Blessed First Sunday of Advent to all. But, yeah, I'm back on Twitter, as you can see, back on Twitter with uh, 37 followers. So for all those people who have already followed me, thank you so very much. Um, it really does mean a lot. And just, I guess, a little bit of a background. So uh, a couple months ago, back in, let's see, back in September, I had made the decision that I needed to get off of social media. And so I, I knew to all of my platforms, I, I knew to my, uh, my Twitter, which had over 10,000 followers. Um, I, I knew to my Instagram, which had a few thousand followers, knew to my, uh, my Minds account, my Gab account, my Truth Social. I was on so many social. And that was one of the problems was that I, I just had stretched myself too thin. I, I was trying to take on too much, trying to have conversations at too many levels. It just, it just was way too much. And it was taking up a lot of my mental energy and mental time. So that, that was one part of it. The other part of it is that, is that Twitter itself is, is designed specifically to try to keep you addicted, right? It, it keeps this trending tab open, right? What's happening? Uh, it tries to show you all the different trending, uh, you know, stories going on. So it tries to keep you on to, to be interested in the news and gives you all the notifications and, and all this stuff. And it also was impacting the way that I interacted with others, including friends as well. And I was able to kind of step back for myself and say, is this something that's really necessary for me in my life right now? And is it, is it something that's really good for me? And, and I came to the decision, and obviously my wife had, had fully supportive, uh, supportive me in this, that it wasn't good for me. And so I, I let people know about a week or so in advance, hey, I'm getting rid of social media because it's just, again, something that was not good for my mental health, for my, for my spiritual health, because it was also taking time away just from uh, being able to embrace a much more broad spiritual life. So again, if you've been following me for a while, you, you already know the story as to why I had gotten, uh, had gotten off of social media. But then... All of a sudden, what happens over the two plus months that I'm off Twitter? Oh, Elon Musk finally buys it. 
oh wait, not only does Elon Musk actually finally buy Twitter, he starts to make changes. These changes are in the direction of supporting freedom of speech. The changes he makes are in the direction of trying to make the platform a a better platform by getting rid of bots, by getting rid of spam, by getting rid of spam accounts, by getting rid of these algorithms that have been built to not just keep us addicted to the to the actual service itself, but also to very clearly try to push certain directions, right? To try to push us into these different political boxes. And that's why I'm so excited to see when he eventually releases, right? Because he said, I'm going to release. I think that's uh, one of the very few uh, comments I made. By the way, I've been able to connect this back to, to Twitter as well. So now the live streams are on, on Twitter too. But uh, one of the things here is my uh, very excited that the USA won against uh, Iran. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, this right here. So the Twitter files on free speech suppression soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. Like this is really exciting. Like this, this, this is really exciting because I'm what I'm hoping it does is I'm hoping that it shows how much control this social media platform has had on the minds of so many other people and also especially on the the impact that that has long term an impact that has more um, more outwardly on the political discourse that we have or the the lack the, the the actually more accurately the lack of political discourse and and actual conversations that we're actually able to to have so it is honestly um, so, so of course that happens and that makes me immediately say, okay, um, I'm going to have to keep an eye on this. I want to try and see what he does. I start to hear about what he has planned and what, what are part of the things he has planned to get rid of the bots, to try to get rid of these algorithms that try to push this type of content. But then also he mentions saying, Hey, I want to try to create a platform that video content creators can actually utilize. There's rumors, right, of bringing back Vine, but even if Vine itself isn't brought back, the fact that he's talking about trying to create a competitor to YouTube, and he claims to have ideas that would make it much more competitive even for those that have made it into a career, which I have not, but obviously for people like, uh, from Ryan, RK Outpost, Geeks and Gamers, Nerdrotic, Geek, you know, the whole Friday Night Tights crew, that is a huge deal. And then what do I see? I, I see that Elon Musk is getting attacked from all ends, from the corporate press, from the corporate media, from people who are using the platform, complaining about using the platform and yet are still on the platform, right? And so all of these people, all of these things happening, and, and I realized, okay, this is not something that I just decided overnight either. I took I took a few weeks. I was like, okay, let's see where this thing's, let's see where this goes. Let me try and see and think and really contemplate, you know, meditate on my own state of mind? Am I in a place where I feel like I could uh, jump back into the waters of this? Because I know, again, the negative impact that it did have on me. And, and I can't just be ignorant of that. So I was able to figure out, okay, I'm going to jump back on social media. I'm going to jump back specifically here on Twitter to for a, few, for a few different reasons. One, because I think it's so important that Elon Musk, even though he's not perfect by any means, I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying that he's worthy of all praise, but I think that what he is doing right now compared to what it was is such a net gain and such a net benefit that it, it needs to receive support. So if even just 
rejoining the platform and being much more limited in my interactions. I got all my notifications turned off. Um, I've got time limits set on it as well. And that's not just for Twitter, but it's for all phone use. That's one of the things that I'm going to try to do for Advent is try to limit the amount of time that I'm on my phone. And, uh, you know, obviously if I can just through just having a presence on there, if that helps, and then at some point I would also like to, to show financial support, right. To, to do the Twitter blue route, you know, unfortunately, um, last I had heard it had been abused a little bit by people faking and pretending to be others. So that's not currently available, but I would like to be able to do that as well. Again, to show that monetary support. Um, because again, as I always say for, for most things, if we're going to be serious about anything, we need to put our money where our mouth is. And I, I would love for this to succeed and all the plans that he has to be able to go forward, because I think it would be a, an ultimate net gain. And then, and, and then also the last of the reasons is that I, I recognize that there are so many voices on Twitter and I think there are just so few voices of, of faith on Twitter, especially within our, our community, not to say that my, my job or my goal now is to try to evangelize to everybody, but I think just to have that presence and to have people who choose to follow me again, it's, it's up to you whether to follow me or not to maybe have that notification go off of, Oh, there's a post here about Advent or, Oh, there's a post here about, about something else. You know, if that can even just for, for a small moment, bring our minds and hearts to, to something else, um, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to try to, to use the platform in as minimalistic way as possible. And I thought Advent was the perfect time for it because since I already knew I wanted to limit my phone time anyway, I figured it was actually the perfect time to rejoin Twitter because it meant that I was already going to be limiting my phone usage. Therefore... It means that by getting back on, I'm not going to be on Twitter as I used to. And that means that after Advent, I will have had about uh, over a month of slowly rolling back. And the goal of these things that we do during Advent, it's not just to say, oh, I stopped this thing that was bad for me. And now let me just jump back in full boards. No, no, no. Let me allow the control that I've learned and developed over this time to be able to um, to be able to carry over. And so those are some of the reasons as to why I initially had gotten off, why I've decided to get back on. And uh, again, hopefully that, that makes some, some sense. And uh, I saw someone in the live chat mentioned that they had sent something. Um, this is what Twitter is for, sharing information with others like this. And he has information about my Robin Hood Prince of Thieves 4K shipped out today. Well, hey, congratulations on, on that. So this is from, from Vic Fontaine. He says, this is what Twitter is all about, is sharing information. And I agree, right? Because obviously I'm also going to uh, try to share out box office information as well. And uh, by the way, for all those people that have just followed me, thank you uh, very, very much. Um, but as I said, you know, it's 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 not about follower count. Um, I I very, it, it, I was able to, to nuke <laughs> the, the original count. And does it, does it suck? Not really. I mean, is it inconvenient? Sure. But ultimately, it's not what it's, it's, that's not what's the most important thing in the world. And, um, and, uh, and again, thank you all for your support when I had chose to, to give it up completely. And, and thanks to those who are continuing to support me, uh, now as well. All right. Back over to Rumble. 
Let's see what's going on over there. King Kane Rumshki says, tough, tough religious question, if you can handle it. Do you believe Judas went to heaven? Not really a difficult question. Um, and it, it's interesting that it's very interesting that that has gotten a lot more attention recently and that there are actual modern day th- quote unquote theologians that have tried to, to, um, to add to the conversation on this. Uh, the perennial teaching, the traditional teaching of the church is that, um, Judas is not a saint. However, that does not mean that the perennial teaching is that Judas was immediately condemned to, to hell. We can make various inferences based on what we find in scripture and, and just based off of common sense, but we always have to keep this in mind, right? When we talk about heaven, hell, and again, this is definitely relevant to, to Advent as a topic, we have to recognize that the only judge is God. All we can know and all we can say and all we can try to, to spread is the message that Christ gave and specifically what, he's, what he gave in the establishment of his church, right? That, that is our ultimate obligation and goal in life, is to say, here's how Christ established, or here's what Christ said about what it means to be a follower. I am the way, the truth, the life. And what does that mean? And then try to show people to the very best of our own ability how to do that by living it out ourselves. That's why I always bring this up with my students. You'll notice that in the church, we have a list of those that are saints. Those, those, those saints didn't just come from nowhere. It came from, uh, for most of them, it came, for many of them, it came from these supernatural occurrences that, that modern science cannot explain, right? These miraculous healings that scientists, atheistic scientists even, were brought in to say, hey, can you give us an explanation as to how this healing happened? And if they, after years, said there is no way for us to, to explain this, um, that's part of the process of, of becoming declared a saint. But there is no process by which someone is declared condemned to hell. There's no list of people in hell. There's no list of mortal sins. Why? Because what a mortal sin requires is that you have knowledge of what you're doing and you have full control of your will. And I think that we can definitely ask questions when it comes to getting back to the original question about Judas, about full, you know, full consent of the mind and the will. Grave matter obviously has has been uh, shown through that. The taking of one's life that we see in Scripture as well. But remember, even with taking one's own, taking of one's own life, we've now learned so much more about the state of mental health and, and about the complexities of uh, of mental health. That questions about full control of will and full knowledge of one's actions come into question. So, yeah, I, I think that it is definitely. Um, a question where some people, I think, answer it to say, oh, yeah, he's absolutely in heaven. Anyone who says that, I think, is is not following the perennial teaching of the church, for one, because the, the church has never taught that. But also the church, again, to at least to, to my knowledge, has never taught the opposite either. It's more of the inference of most likely not based off of the information that we have. But again, only God is the true judge. So hopefully that makes some sense answering that over on Rumble. We over on Odyssey change of uh, change of tone there says people who left Twitter for Mastodon aren't finding it as fun as they thought it would be as ever so friendly censorship gangs target people to get banned. The left eating their own. Exactly right. 
Not only that, but also they recognize, oh, well, Mastodon's not as polished as Twitter, and oh, <laughs> this isn't as convenient. And it's like, yeah, guess what? That, that's something that we all learned. That's something that people who are, and I would even say it's necessarily a right or left issue. It's an authoritarian versus non-authoritarian issue, you know? Because non-authoritarians, that would be a lot of Republicans, not all. A lot of libertarians, but not all necessarily. A lot of independent people like I am, right? I, I, I am a Catholic before anything else, right? That's why I always say I'm a traditional Catholic with an independent lens. That's how I, I, I look and try to view the world and try to try to comment on the world itself. And so I look to that and and I myself, right, found that out to be very true by going to Gab and a lot of us did. That's what the whole point of what I was trying to say is that we we found that out very early, right? We found that very early because when Twitter was doing all of this crazy stuff and banning people and and limiting freedom of speech and very clearly having a a a left-leaning bias, we were going to mines. We were going to uh, together, we were going to Parler. We were going to Truth Social. We were going to 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 all of these other alt tech platforms. And what we soon realized is that there were certain benefits to it, but there was also a cost. Convenience being a big one. You know, convenience being a, a master one. A master one. Convenience being a a huge aspect of it. And so, yeah, that's what they're learning now too. Is and that's probably also why you're seeing that they're not giving up their Twitter profiles because they're like, well, but it's so easy to tweet. It's so convenient to tweet. And that convenience absolutely has a price. As Abomination says over on, on Odyssey, it absolutely has a price. But that's why having someone who is, and it's always amazing to see some of these articles come out calling Elon Musk a free speech absolutist. He's not a free speech absolutist. The fact that there are any terms and there's any ways you could violate those terms, meaning the fact that there exist things you can say that will get you banned still shows you he is not an absolutist. An absolutist would say, no, freedom of speech means all speech must be free with no consequence. That's not what he is. So it's amazing to hear that lie being perpetuated, but it's also amazing to see so many of them, so many of these people starting to realize, oh, the alternatives aren't as as convenient and aren't as easy. And here we are like, yeah, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. Oh, man. We over on Odyssey tagged and then say the only mortal sin I remember in the Bible is accepting the mark of the beast. Well, again, the reason why there are no list of mortal sins is because grave matter is important. And again, that would be a part of grave matter. But another part of it is you have to have knowledge you have to know that what you're doing is wrong, and you have to have full control of your will. If you don't have those two components, right, if it's not a willful choice, a willful, knowledgeable choice, it can't be mortal sin. But anyway, that's that's for another stream. I touched upon it a little bit because it does connect in a way to Advent. Advent is a great time of penance, right? That's something that is so often lost. That's why for my students, I had them do a journal where it's, hey, you know how for Lent you come up with a list of things? come up with a list for advent because it's the same season or rather it's it's a it's a it's the exact same kind of season a time of repentance it's not as rigorous nearly uh, but it is still a time for us to make some small sacrifices whether that's giving up something like chocolate or giving up something else right that that you know we know weighs us down either spiritually or physically it's a good time to get ourselves back on track, right? To right the ship. And that's something that anyone, whether you're Catholic, Christian, atheist, agnostic, can understand, 
right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are things right now I know in my life that I should probably change. Oh, this would be a good time to do that. So it's a good motivating factor to, to start to change for the better. Soul Assassin had to say, welcome back to the madhouse of Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, at least it seems to be a, a lot more entertaining in a much freer place. Keck44, what is going on? Welcome back. Physics Channel Kenny Lee says, I hope you're having a good night. Hope you're having a good night. Thanks for being here. Asajj Moody, what's going on? Happy first candle week. Yes, indeed. First candle of, of Advent, first Sunday of Advent. I uh, hope that you are having a blessed beginning of your Advent as well. Input latency. It is indeed a good day. Steven, time to say, uh, your thoughts on the Super Mario trailer looks a little woke due to Peach looking to dominate too soon to tell, though. If there's a new trailer, I have not watched it. I've seen the first trailer, and though the beginning of it I find entertaining, when those little penguin creatures are throwing the snowballs, and it's so dramatic, and then it's... That's funny. But I... Again, I know there's a lot of people that love Chris Pratt. When he's doing the voice of Mario, that's not Mario. Simple as that. He, he's not doing a Mario voice. He's, he's Chris Pratt with maybe a slightly small accent, maybe. But he, he's, not, he's not doing a Mario voice. And uh, I think that is going to have an impact. What I can say for sure, and again, I love my brother, Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers, but... He's had some pretty bad takes recently. I think he was he has even admitted that he was wrong that certain films that he said was gonna get a billion dollars didn't get a billion dollars. He on Friday Night Sites, this has now been a couple of months, I think, or about a month and a half, he said that the Super Mario Brothers movie coming out is, is next year is gonna make a billion. And I'm here to say no chance. No chance. The the, the chances of that happening are not very, very likely. And I think a big part of it is going to be, as I said, people looking at those trailers. And I know that it seems like such a small thing, but it does make a difference, right? Look at what happened with the Sonic trailer, right? When the first Sonic trailer came out, people looked at it and said, that's not Sonic. And it was such a massive backlash that they ended up changing the entire character and it ultimately paid off for them. They delayed the film. Now... I will say, are you seeing that same level of backlash to Mario? No, you're not. You're not even seeing close to that same level of backlash, but you are still seeing a portion of people in the comments saying, yeah, I like what I'm seeing, but I have a problem with that voice. And that could easily be enough, even if it's just 10% of, of people who could be moviegoers, that, that 10% could be all the difference. So the movie still has to be good. If the movie is good, if the movie comes out and it's good, then and only then will I open up the possibility of a billion dollars being possible. At this point, there's there's really nothing to indicate that that it's going to happen. Uh, let's see. The Morak, what's going on? Welcome back. If you have a comment or question at any point, what, uh, no matter what platform you're watching on, whether it's Rumble, Odyssey, or YouTube, Please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, lets me know you're trying to get my attention. It's kind of like a, a secret code. Uh, Laura, thank you very much also for posting the link to the Twitter profile. Yeah, it's at OMB Reviews if you want to follow me on Twitter. Again, I have uh, relaunched the Twitter. It is brand new, fresh, freshly squeezed, one could say. Um, it'll, it'll even say join November 2022. Again, because my old one, when I said I was nuking it, I meant it. And it gone. Never to return. 
Rosie G. What's going on? Welcome back to the chat. Glad to have you here. Justin on the red shirt says anti-racism and intersectional feminism sell, apparently. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, of course. What I also love about what's going on with, with Elon Musk's Twitter is that I think what ultimately it's going to do is it's going to finally expose something that all of us already know to be true, which is that these the, these woke ideologues on Twitter are such a small portion of the actual population, you know? Such a small portion of the actual population. Because remember, a lot of these big businesses were making massive decisions, massive financial decisions based upon the workings of the Twitter mob. We're finding out more and more that the, the, the Twitter, Twitter mob, and we knew this, right? I think that especially accounts like Data Racer, for those that uh, have been following from the early days of Twitter, it was, you know, you had, you had people like Ichibaka, you also had Data Racer who's still around, who collect a lot of receipts, right? And one thing Data Racer always does very well is he's able to find like 50, sometimes 50 plus images of different accounts posting the exact same thing verbatim. So people like him have been on this for, for a very long time saying, we have clear evidence that there's bots, right? We have clear evidence that there are clearly bots, bot farms, fake accounts, whatever it is you want to describe it as, right? There's different pieces and parts to this that are trying to influence the discussion, that are trying to influence how these businesses act, how these businesses make decisions. And so one of the things that Elon's doing is he's saying, one, I'm going to take care of these bots to the very best of my ability, but then also, two, he's going to try to expose what kind of corruption there is. That's why, as I said, I cannot wait for him to release what information he has about these algorithms and about how the control of the flow of information, and we already knew this, right? And people even went before Congress and and swore under oath that they were not manipulating things to such a way to favor one political ideology over the other. But if he has some smoking guns in what his uh, data analysts have found, uh, let's just say I'll be intrigued to read into those. I'll be intrigued to follow the uh, the results of that investigation. And I, I and I hope and pray that it is a fruitful one. Over on Odyssey, Thunderduck, Thunder, Thunder, Thunderduck, ho! He says, Black Adam has been doing very well compared to Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Black Widow. It held very well in a week, uh, in a week-to-week drop. It's not over for this movie, like I said it before. Thunderduck, bro, I don't know what you are smoking. All right, I hate to word it that way, man. No, but Black Adam is done. All right? Black Adam is done. If you want to go to the box office conversation. All right. It's at $377 million. As you can see, even the numbers is saying this is still tracking below historically where this film should be. Now, if you're going to try and say, oh, look at the drops, 59, 33, 56, 43, 29, especially this 29, that's not too bad. Well, yeah. Remember also that this is Thanksgiving weekend, so it's going to get some protection there. All right. The big test and this, this also for the record, because I'm going to be fair. This also holds true for Black Panther, right? Black Panther had a lot of help because of the holiday weekend. What kind of drop-off do we see this coming weekend? That is going to tell us a lot about where the domestic ends for that movie. But this movie's been out for six weeks. Keep this in mind, too, if you want to have some other ancillary data. It's already been released on VOD. Why would you do that as quickly as they did 
unless they were recognizing the film was not making as much money as it was. It's been out for six weeks and it's only made $377 million. That means the chance of it getting to $400 million is, is decent, but not great. You're saying it's doing better than Shang-Chi. Are you telling me that this film is going to get over $430 million worldwide? What numbers are you looking at that shows that that's even a possibility? And if your go-to is, well, there's one country it hasn't opened in yet, that's not a good argument. That argument has been made so many times and has shown itself to be totally irrelevant. In fact, I think it's been the same country every time. Yeah, it actually has been. I bet you're gonna probably, I bet you're gonna try and bring up Japan, right? Guess what? I think it was even you, Thunderdark. You brought Japan up for another movie, if I'm not mistaken, and it turned out to be a nothing burger. So please spare me, all right? Please spare me. The Black Adam, it's not gonna get to its break-even point. It's not gonna make its money back. It is a financial flop, and. There, there's there's nothing that you can do to will that to to exist. It's again, it's it's break even points five hundred million dollars, and there's no chance in heck that the movie's going to get to that point. Two hundred million dollar budget, two point five times the budget, the typical break even. It's not getting to five hundred million after six weeks of release. Let it go, let it go, let it go. It's okay. I can be wrong. I've been wrong before. Right, and I, I always admit when I'm wrong, but uh, when it comes to this one, there there is no actual data to suggest what you are saying. And just so that I can even clarify this even further with myself, let's see where the movie currently is in relationship to its its first two weeks, because that is how I often will. Try and reference it, right? Because the first two weeks, that's a that's a huge number, right? That's a number that I think is is incredibly important. So let's see where this film currently stands. So right now, compared to its first two weeks, it's at sixty six percent. That's not bad. That's not bad. But it needs to get to around 50%. It needs to essentially double what it made in the first two weeks of its release. It's still a far cry from that. And that's just for it to break even. So, yeah. Sorry, dude. Abomination over on Odyssey says, I don't think the trailer is a billion dollars worthy, but it does have some silly shenanigans that I might enjoy in my younger days but they lay on the fish-out-of-water trope so heavily, I think it would hurt the movie. People are getting tired of origin stories and their tropes. Well, again, Jeremy's methodology, because he does have a methodology for how he got to a billion dollars. His methodology is, well, I mean... This is a terrible Jeremy impersonation, but... Well, I mean, guys, all right, the, the Nintendo Switch... Is the, is the highest-selling system in the world. Now, obviously, I'm leaving a lot of F-bombs because those would probably be flying right now. But the Nintendo Switch is the highest-selling game and it's the highest-selling system in the world and blah, 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 and therefore, it's going to make a billion. It's like, just because you have a successful video game system and franchise does not cross over into films and box office. And yes, I know, that was a terrible Jeremy impersonation. But you're welcome anyway. And I love Jeremy. 
Uh, we over on Odyssey says, aside from browser, uh, rather, aside from Bowser, the English voice actors suck on the new Mario trailer. The French dub actor beats Chris Pratt's Mario, and the Italian actress beats Anya Taylor-Joy's Princess. Yeah, I've heard the uh, I've heard that French dub actor, and it's night and day. It's like, hey, I don't even know the language, right? Because I'm not a French speaker, but this guy already sounds so much more, sounds so much more like Mario than Chris Pratt does. But yeah, I, I think that absolutely good point. Uh, let's see. Thunderduck says, what movie was that and when? I honestly don't remember. I just remember I had this debate with, I've had this debate with several people. And I just assumed that you were one of those persons because I feel like we've had a debate on, on another movie before. So I could very well be conflating two different things. Um, but when it comes to this specific point, I, I don't really see how you have any numbers to surprise, to uh, to back you up here. Anyway, we had to say, to no one's surprise, conservative avoiding LGBT is being brought up as the solo reason for Strange World flopping, leaving out the multitude of problems with the movie, uh, daring to put it against Black Panther 2, people thinking it will come to Disney+, and not enough marketing. Yeah, again, anyone out there who is trying to push a narrative around why Strange World is flopping. If any of them are trying to say that the reason why the film did this, right, has only gotten to $28 million worldwide, if any person, if any YouTube channel, including people who might be friends, I can't confirm that or not, but if anyone is, regardless of who they are, if they're saying that the primary or sole reason, either one, the primary or sole reason as to why this film is an epic fail, if they're saying it's because of an LGBTQ character slash agenda they don't know what they are talking about this movie even if it did not have an lgbtq plus aip whatever character still would have flopped because even like critics even if you look to the ratings for this movie the movie itself is not very good so that again if those characters are gone is the story going to get any better i doubt it Knowing Disney, they tend to put these things on the side and make them very obscure, right? They're never very, they're never front and center. Disney is usually one where they, they quote unquote, push the boundaries, but do they really? It's just like how all these companies, right? They try and say how woke they are by, by changing during the month of June, all of their profiles to, to rainbow flags. But then if you look to their account set in Middle Eastern countries, they don't do anything. Right, it's that pandering. It's 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 that attempt to try to make themselves look better than what they actually are. But you take that out of it. Does the movie do well? No, because again, the, the movie itself is not getting good reviews. All right, so you have a bad movie to, to for one, or at the best, a mediocre film is the best that I've heard about it. You have a film that's being thrust into the Thanksgiving holiday amidst the third weekend of Black Panther two, which is doing well financially in the domestic marketplace you then also throw it up against a very crowded thanksgiving and all this movie is then is is lost in the shuffle because then you have to add in other more important factors which is the fact that the marketing seemed to be non-existent apparently it was there i heard some people mentioning that there were buses that had the characters on there that obviously there were trailers and so there was clearly marketing spent on this movie but all the marketing that i've seen has been ineffective because the only marketing I've seen have been posters and pictures. And guess what? I look at it and I say, oh, this looks generic. Why, why, why would I want to go see this movie? Why, why should I care at all to see this? 
So anyone, as it going back, going back to it, anyone who is saying that the primary or the sole reason, one of the two, that this movie is failing is because of its individual agenda or characters having LGBTQIA plus P, whatever. Again, I <laughs> stutter it over it on purpose because it's ridiculous. Um, but with all the letters, but if anyone is saying that they don't know what they're talking about, plain and simple. And I know that some people may not like when I say that I, I'm glad to always, I'm, I'm glad to see that there are much more people that are supportive <laughs> saying, I'm happy that you are willing to try to be, because do I have subjective views on things? Absolutely. And I always try to make it very clear when I'm giving my own subjective view of things. For instance, I think avatar sucks. The first film I hate with a fiery passion. I dislike it with a fiery passion. Better way of saying it. Um, however, I don't want to see Avatar 2. I think Avatar 2 is going to be trashy, especially because the trailers don't make it look compelling at all. And yet I'm still going to say and be one of the first ones to say and have been for a while. That film is going to be guaranteed to make at least a billion dollars. It's going to be financially successful on paper. Does that make it a good movie? No. But I'm going to report whatever the numbers say. And I'm going to look at the numbers and I'm going to look at the, again, the actual announced budget and the typical marketing costs. And this is where, again, I get into a lot of disagreements with other people that cover the box office, right? A lot of other people try and say, well, I think they spend more. And according to this article, it says that they spent more on marketing, et cetera. It's like, okay, I will, I will grant you that that might be the case. However, there are other revenue streams that these movies can get in that can make up for that. For instance, sometimes you'll look and see, oh, it says here they spent an extra $300 million on marketing. But then they also leave out the fact that there was a $200 million campaign in conjunction with another massive corporation. Okay, well, does that mean that they spent $200 million or does that mean that there was a joint venture in which they split those costs? Or was there some type of other money or was there some type of money sharing that happened? If you look to live action films, guess what you have a lot of in those movies? Product placement. That can bring in a lot of money. And that can sometimes that oftentimes will bring down the overall cost of extra marketing. And so that's why I, I that's why I always stick with standards. That's why I always stick with, okay, let's talk about the most realistic scenario without taking into account extra cost, extra credits. I don't go in either direction with those, right? Because some people, they'll try and say, what about the extra cost? And I'll say, okay, well, what about the extra credits that they're getting from tax breaks or from other things like I've mentioned? I don't want to deal with any of that. So I'm going to say, all right, let's look. Okay, most of the time, films spend around this much, around this much on movies, right? So it's not always the case. And I never claim that my numbers are gospel either. Right when I say that the break even for Black Panther is six hundred twenty-five, I'm not saying yes. As soon as it hits six hundred twenty-five million dollars and all those zeros, it has officially made all of its money back. No, I'm saying is that hey, this is the most likely break-even point, and so anything higher than this is in the black territory, give or take a few million dollars. It's a rough estimate. All of these are rough estimates. But no one can ever claim to have all of the information and all the data in front of them. That would drive me insane, trying to hunt down all that extra information. But anyway, yeah, Strange World, it's flopping. Part of it is, 
I, I will not deny it. Part of it absolutely is the agenda. Because there are people, and, and again, because some of those people are even in our community, who have said, I refuse to watch this because of the agenda items. So they exist. That's a reason. But to say it's the sole or primary reason is just not really based in reality. Excuse me. Anyway, heading back over to Rumble. Uh, Kincaid Rumsky says, great information, but isn't everyone in heaven a saint? Uh, yes, that is the very, uh, that is the very nature of being in heaven, right? So a saint is simply one who is, uh, who is receiving the, what we call the beatific vision, right? We say seeing God face to face, right? We're using human language to describe something that is well beyond human understanding. It's one of the great mysteries of the faith. Um, but again, that's why there's no list of people who are in, in hell. And the only ones that we can confirm are in heaven are through those means that I had mentioned earlier. And again, that would be another stream I would have to go into further detail with. That would have to be one of the open forum or theologically rich streams. We could talk, talk about it a little bit because Advent is obviously a part of the, the title and therefore a part of the discussion, but I don't want to go full theology here. <laughs> As I know, not everyone would want that. Flying, Nan, uh, Flying Nanook, what's going on? Welcome back. Steven, time to say, now that Andor is done for season one, do you recommend we watch it or should we skip it? So far, the only episode that was really good was the Prison Escape episode. I have not watched it. I, I watched what four or five episodes, and I, again, got to the point where I said, this is so boring, I don't want to watch it anymore. And because Friday Night Tights did not assign it for homework, because Gary did not assign me to watch that show for homework, I said, okay, well then, I have no reason to watch it, so I'm not going to. I have been watching a show, actually, um, and I've got mixed thoughts about it. So there's this new show on Netflix uh, called Wednesday, and I think I've made some comments about it, and about what's been said by some of the stars and creators of it. I'm mixed about it because ultimately I think the show, the show has no reason to exist. However, the young actress that's playing Wednesday does a really good job. She hits all of these great emotional notes. And by that, what I mean is that she is Wednesday Adams. If, I didn't think a lot of people were going to be able to have that same type of dry wit and, and wit. Yes, that's right. I said wit. Uh, dry wit that you saw from the 1990s Adams Family uh, movies. But I, I got to give credit where credit's due. And that doesn't mean that she or others have not said stupid things uh, about the characters. And I think that having, was it Luis Guzman is the actor's name, I think, as... Uh, as Gomez Adams, to me, doesn't make any sense. I think they're trying to go for the fact that, well, they made him look more like the comic that it's originally based off of. But again, he is no Raul Julia. And I think that's that's a subjective issue that I have. In my head, Gomez Adams is Raul Julia. Rest in peace, Raul Julia. And uh, so he's not able to match it. Whereas this young actress that's playing Wednesday actually has that character down pat. I just really wish they had gone a different direction with the show. I think it would have been a lot cooler and I think it would have been a lot better had they actually brought back some of the other actors to be more prominent characters. So um, Christina Ricci is in the show as a supporting character. I think that was a huge mistake. Christina Ricci should have been either one, 
should have been cast cast as Morticia. Right, that's One Direction. You you bring her back and have her be Morticia Adams. I think she would have done great as Morticia. Um, I think that she has absolutely she has the capacity to play that role now, especially. Um, so that's one direction you take with it. The other direction is that you have Wednesday as older, and it's a story about her daughter. Because again, you bring Christina Ricci back as an older Wednesday. I think that works. Or you make it a story about an older Wednesday and have her be the focus, and then Christina Ricci comes back. But the story that they end up having is, is, is again, not all that interesting. CGI is pretty bad, but I will at least give credit to say that the young actress they have to play Wednesday, I mean, some of her reactions are, are phenomenal. Like, her eye work especially, when, when she's doing her reactions, are, are, are pretty great. Let's see. All right. Master of Gaming on YouTube tag to say, Strange World is another Disney sci-fi flop since Treasure Planet, John Carter, Lightyear, and Mars needs moms. Disney shouldn't make expensive sci-fi films. Or they should make sci-fi films. I agree. They shouldn't make expensive movies in general because Disney is notorious for overspending on everything they do, even the films that make money. Um, it's not the sci-fi genre that's the problem for them. It's, it's that they... When they make these projects that either, one, in the case of John Carter, have no idea how to promote it. The marketing for John Carter was abysmal. Like, that that was that was an example of, like, marketing fail 101. <laughs> Look back to John Carter. Because that movie's not bad. I actually like that film. I actually think that film is fun. I'm not saying it's, you know, an objectively amazing movie. But it's a fun movie. It is absolutely fun. Um, it's it's a movie. I guess if I had to say guilty pleasure, it would be on my guilty pleasure list. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie by any means, but I also wouldn't say it's a great film. It's a vastly underrated movie, though, that no one saw. Vastly underrated. Terrible marketing. Uh, Fred Farkle. Too much of their egos are tied into the attention they get on Twitter. Exactly. Going back to the Twitter conversation, absolutely. Right. For them, that's why I think a lot of them are addicted because they feel so much affirmation. This is a big part of their push, right? Is we need affirming care. It's like, that's not real care. That's not real therapy. If your therapist is there to simply affirm everything that you feel, you need to fire that therapist and find a real one. A therapist is there to try to help you navigate the feelings and the emotions and the things you're going with and to try to help you deal with those struggles, not to affirm them. If you think about some of the many other things that people go to therapy for, if you were to say that, oh, yeah, they should affirm them. Oh, they should affirm that person's depressive, suicidal thoughts. Of course not. But that is the same mentality. And if you're going to try and say, well, you know, you can't say that this way because it's a different situation. Is it really? This whole affirmation stuff, it's so unhealthy. It's so dangerous to kids. So dangerous. Steven tagged to say, now Jim Carrey announced he's leaving Twitter. Ah, of course. Where did he announce it? Did he announce it on Twitter? I bet he announced it on Twitter. And guess what? I bet he's still there. Uh, KK and Rumsky over on uh, Rumble says, how does that work with Geeks and Gamers? Do you guys have weekly meetings and then Jeremy kind of tells you what to do for the week? Nope. Uh, there are weekly, there are monthly meetings um, 
that's really again the gist of what I can say because it's not like we talk about a whole lot of stuff that's like oh we can't talk it's it's business meeting it's like hey here's where we are here's where we're going here's what we hope to do every now and then there's a hey we can't talk about this but this is in the works um and um but yeah I mean a lot of us are in a place where we are already doing something. And so usually if there's something that needs to be changed, we'll either be like, you know, communicated to with like individually, or it'll be brought up maybe at one of these meetings. Uh, But for instance, for me, I do weekly box office and last update I got was, Hey, keep on doing it because it creates that sense of consistency. And that's a big thing that I know uh, we on the entire team are trying to become a lot better at is being a lot more consistent. So um, but yeah, but yeah, we're not told what to do if that, if that makes any sense. And that's why it's interesting that, uh, you know, Jeremy's been doing a lot more box office videos recently. And every time I see his titles and every time I see, um, his thumbnails, I'm like, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Because literally the next day it's going to be me in a video saying the complete opposite. <laughs> and that's, and that's why I love him. That's why I love him. That that that's that's why he he's he's one of my brothers, <laughs> and uh, and I love him. He shouldn't do box office. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi. I'm still not going back to social media. It's negativity. It's not something I miss. Forever Sci-Fi. I don't blame you, dude. I will not push anyone to go back on social media. Definitely not. Steven, are you watching the World Cup? If so, who who you got to win the World Cup this year? I am watching the World Cup. Um, obviously, who who is getting my full support? Who's getting my initial support? Uh, Team USA. Uh, I know that's very cliche of me to do, but again, the U.S. men's team doesn't often uh, get into this position, so I I will support them. At this point, at least to my knowledge, they have not gone political like the U.S. women's team has in the past. So I'm gonna cheer for them. If, if for nothing else than for that, uh, for, for being normal. Apparently, there was a press conference where one of the reporters went after one of the players for mispronouncing Iran's name. I think that they were, they were saying Iran. And so apparently, there was a journalist that like went after them for mispronouncing it. And then um, also was like trying to say, and your country's racist or something. Apparently, there were some pretty good responses. I don't know if that's true or not. Don't quote me on that. Um, but that too, like the fact that they were, they were actually able to respond and to probably respond smartly to that. It just makes me want to support them. Uh, it just makes me want to support them even more, you know? So yeah, I'm going to say the, the U S men's team is getting my initial support. And then after that, I like underdogs. I like teams that typically you wouldn't think of as being, in the in the World Cup or, or not being in contention, so we'll see what happens in the games that uh, remain. I know that one of my chosen uh, father, Luca Illich, uh, who you sometimes see in the in the streams in the chat, uh, he he is Croatian, so he is he is supportive of, of the Croatian team. So I'll support Croatia for that reason. Um, but yeah, other than that, I like underdogs. I like rooting for for underdogs, unless there's a reason for me to not root for them. Uh, let's see, John Platt, what is going on? Welcome, Victor Fontaine, again, still in the chat. Uh, however, Sci-Fi, who is a member, says they don't want they don't want to leave Twitter. They just want to see how many people care that they are saying that they will leave Twitter, pretty much. Gary Badger Sandwich says, I nuked my YouTube by mistake, just got back in today's oops. <laughs> yeah, 
That would definitely, uh, yeah, that would definitely create create more problems. But even then, even if my YouTube got nuked, like if I accidentally hit the big red button, I mean, there's not really a big red button, but let's just say I, I did that um, and I didn't notice it for, because usually with most of these sites, they give you like 30 days to, you know, before they wipe their actual system. Um, I would I would come back and I would have to rebuild and it would be a pain. But again, we need to be always careful on social media and this goes for anyone, right? We need to be careful to not let these things distinguish or, or determine our value. We can't leave, we can't let these things have any impact on how we view ourselves and how we value ourselves. We're more than our subscriber count. We're more than our ad revenue, right? You know, it's, and that's why anytime, you know, cause do, I'll be transparent. Do I make, do I make money from, from YouTube? Yeah. I get money from the ad revenue. Where does most of it go? It goes either into upgrading things on the channel. So it's what paid for this microphone. It's what paid for the, the, the sound mixer. It's what paid for the computer as well as the very generous people who have donated during to, you know, there's been a couple of campaigns that I ran, right. To build my own computer very early on in the channel. So it's because of the generosity of others. And, um, it's that. And then also I, I spend it on Blu-rays and 4Ks. I'll, you know, some of them are for me, but I buy a lot more for giveaways than anything else. I have a, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll mention, uh, since I have them next to me, here's some of the pickups from Black Friday, and these are specifically just for giveaways. I have three copies of Nobody on 4K, all with the slipcover still. Shout out to, to Best Buy for, um, actually, no, this was, did I get these on Best Buy or Amazon? Best Buy, because they had the sticker on them. That's how I know. So yeah, shout out to them for still having the slipcovers on these, but nobody. And I, why did I get this movie? It wasn't just because it was, it was like $10 for the 4K. It's because this is a film that not everyone saw that I think people should see. So I was like, I'm going to buy a few copies so that I can give those away. And then I also picked up... This one I picked up because, I mean, why would I not? Um, it's the greatest film, or one of the greatest films of all time. It's a Wonderful Life on 4K. So, yeah, most of the things that I that I spend it on are, you know, to give away or to put back into the channel. Uh, Rosie G says, I knew my Twitter years ago and never looked back. Yeah, that's awesome. Steven, your thoughts on early review on Puss in Boots? Uh, so, far major po- so far, a major positive review, best sequel series since Shrek 2. I don't care about it. I didn't care about uh, Puss in Boots the first one. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm tired of these reboots, remakes, etc. Derek McManus, what's going on? Joey's uh, movie blog, what's up? Titus say, I'm listening to this while writing my Vigilante pilot episode. I've had this idea in my head for a while, but after the success of the Riververse, I'm encouraged to create again. Well, hey, good luck to you, good sir. It's going to take some work. King Anarumski says, another dumb question. What does Steelbook actually mean? Uh, it's just a... So, basically... You know how movies have packaging, right? So this, it's a plastic cover. It's a plastic case. This, as a steelbook, it's one that has a metallic case. I don't know if it's actually made out of steel, necessarily. I don't think it is. Um, But again, could be wrong. Each one might be made of something a little bit different, but it's a metallic. um, So it's a little bit heavier, a little bit more durable uh, to an extent. It will... By durable, what I mean is that it will absolutely protect the disc inside of the case a lot better. But because it's metal, it means that it's more susceptible to scratches and dents and other things. So, again, 
durability. That's why I love these ones from Lionsgate. Lionsgate kills it. This is uh, another one that's going to be featured in a giveaway coming up. This is uh, Reservoir Dogs 4K Steelbook because Lionsgate they put a uh, they put a, a plastic slipcover over the steelbook, which has its own artwork on it and provides protection of the actual steelbook itself. So. Hopefully that answers your question, Kincaid Ronski, as we are in the final 15 minutes of, of the show. All right. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says, Hollywood took the people saying, use the source material too literally. The source material for Adam's family wasn't what was widely popular. It was the show back in the 60s with the suave, cool Gomez Adams, which was adapted into the movie with Raul Julia. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's why, you know, it's not always something. It's not always the best course of action to go back to the source material necessarily, because sometimes there's adaptations that are really good. I would say the live action versions of Adam's family are phenomenal. Those are my go to's. Uh, We had also said a while back to no one's surprise, conservatives avoiding LGBT is being brought up as okay. Never mind. I got that one already. I already went down that one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, back over to uh, YouTube. Orange Review says, I repurposed my old account to be a Star Wars account. Well, there you go. Again, there's always things you can use them for. Laura says, I tried to quit Twitter several times but failed. It turns out I just need to change which accounts I follow. Yeah, ultimately that that can lead to a uh, a major change in in the impact that it has on someone. And that's why, as I said before, um, I, I'm doing it a little bit different this time. You know, I'm not going full bore in on on my Twitter use and um, I'm limiting the amount of time, not just on Twitter, but on my phone as well. I'm also being a little bit more a bit more wary when it comes to the accounts that I'm going to follow, because, yeah, all that ultimately does have an impact on long term, uh, you know, long term mental health. Uh, Kimberly G is excited about the USA winning. Absolutely. Steven says, you think the rumor is true that Disney will be sold to Apple? I doubt it. Uh, with Bob Iger back in the fray officially, uh, I just don't see that happening. Joey Horn, I too have been turned off by the lady soccer team. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. If you think back to the last major cup they were in, it was one of the first times that I can remember I saw so many, especially against social media being a big part. I saw so many people cheering against them. Like that's you, you, you want to know how bad the PR is, excuse me, or you want to know how bad the pandering and the ideological framework is amongst these players. It's so bad that people who bleed red, white, and blue would actually be willing to vote not a vote, uh, would actually be willing to root against you. You had people who were Americans, who love American sports, and who love to support American teams at the Olympics, at at uh, the World Cup, who were actively wishing and, ask, and, and hoping that the women's team would lose. That's how bad it got. That's why, again, that's why I'm excited to have a U.S. Uh, soccer team or football team for my you know, people in the other parts of the world. It's so nice to have someone that, you know, that I can actually support. Because, again, to my knowledge, I don't know of any woke ideology that the U.S. men's team is trying to push. 
You go to the U.S. women's team, and it's it's all over the place, including a lot of things that are based off of pure fiction. Uh, over on Odyssey, Thunderduck says, what do you think Ant-Man 3 will generate at the box office? Um, it's not going to... I don't see how it, how it could possibly make more than what the last... So what people don't recognize, Ant-Man as a property has always been one of the lowest grossing of the, um, of the MCU films. I don't mean that they've, they've, they've flopped or anything like that, but they just haven't typically had the biggest, uh, box office. So let me go ahead and, and pull this up for people. Um, let me see. I don't know if they have a reported budget yet, but if they do, it will show up here. They don't, but let me let me pull this up for everybody. So that way, since we're talking about it, um, so the question over on uh, Odyssey was asked, "What I think Ant Man three is going to to make?" So the budgets for these two films, first off, were much lower. Actually, let me adjust that for inflation because that's important. All right. So the first Ant Man film they put around one hundred forty one million in. Uh, the second one about one hundred thirty million in, um, and I think a lot of that's because again. Not all, again, inflation isn't always kept up to date. So this is just based off of the the adjustment for inflation calculation done on the numbers. So the first film made five hundred sixty four point four million. That's again, that's pretty low when you look and you know even just look at Black Panther, right? Black Panther's at six seventy five, so it's already made more than than these two films. So Ant Man has always been a much lower grossing franchise. So what I suspect is since internationally, especially. MCU has not been doing nearly as well in the past. It's really taking a lot longer for it to catch up internationally uh, to prior to COVID times. I don't know if it's ever going to necessarily catch up. I I would not be surprised if the film was somewhere between three and 500 million worldwide. It, it depends on a lot of things. Is the movie good? That's a huge factor. And it's amazing that we've gotten to that point now where, yeah, guess what? Whether the film is good or not actually matters. This is something that should have always been the case. But there are MCU stands, right? And they do still show up for this movie, but you can see not nearly as much. Not nearly as much. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, the marketing, I don't think, has been that strong for it uh, based on what I've seen. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere between three and 500 million personally. Again, that whole concept of the law of diminishing returns. The first film was fun. The second film was, was, was uh, again, kind of like a C-level movie, to be honest. I just don't know how much hype. And this is coming out in February. It, it's not showing itself to be connected to a lot of... I, I just, yeah. I don't see a lot of room for this film to be successful, personally. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. All right, about eight more minutes, so let me try and get through as many as I can. Please, if you uh, have already left a comment and a question, if you could hold off on any more so I can get through the rest, that'd be great. Uh, Joey's Movie Vlog says, Hating women is Ryan's job. Ah, yes. Keely Chow, yes, thank you very much uh, for being here. Everyone's doing well here at at home. I see a bunch of uh, pro-America, anti-Iran stuff. <laughs> Yes, I again was also very happy to to watch that that victory. Oh, this hasn't happened to me in a while. The chat has jumped on me, and uh, some comments may have been skipped. 
Some comments may have been skipped. By the way, thank you all for being here. Please smash the like button, light the fire button as well. Smash the rumble button if you're watching over there. Really does mean a lot. Let's see. Rob D. tagged to say, I agree on Elon Musk. You couldn't have 100% free speech and still have a safe space platform. Free speech means you can say, I hate blank, and I hate blank without consequence. Well, again, I think there is definitely some nuance to that as well, right? Because we have freedom of speech, but it actually comes down to a theological discussion, right? There are freedoms that we have, and by freedoms, what I mean is we have the capacity to do almost anything. The capacity. But with rights, duties come attached to them, right? So we have a right to certain things in this life, both from the state and then also from, you know, from the, from the state and also from, from God. But just because we have a right to something does not mean that we can do whatever we want with it. There's a duty that we have. And if we do not live up to that, and, and if we do not follow through with it, properly then there's consequences right consequences for actions hardwick says i use a browser extension that blocks the trending section on twitter all i can see is what people i follow tweet and retweet yeah i actually had mentioned that back when i was on twitter um several months ago i remember i had mentioned that i had uh, even had a video on it it was even i think maybe even a stream and i know a lot of people used it and were thankful for it i had to find it again but I i was using that for a while and it was it was great it was absolutely great. Looks like some people had some buffering issues a little while ago. There are some storms in the area, but Rob D. Tess say, Warner Brothers is so stupid they bought tickets in mass for Black Panther instead of Black Adam. Oh, oh, you. Uh, Laura says, I thought Black Adam was typical fun superhero movie. The post-credits cameo was fire. That's the problem, though, is that the post-credits scene was the only thing worth watching, and it, it, I understand why a lot of people would rather have just watched the short crappy version on YouTube to see that happen than to actually go out and, and see the movie itself. The movie flopped. Well, what do you think of legendary entertainment going to Sony says Jeremy Sikowski. I haven't done enough research in it to, to say one way or the other. Hardwick says, did you hear that Clarence Gerard Jr. has died? He was on Walker, Texas Ranger Matlock and one of the pilots in the original Top Gun. I did not. Does not sound familiar to me at all, but rest in peace. Of course. Um, that's a name I haven't seen in a long time, and I just saw uh, Tina had tagged it. Where you been, bruh? Aiden Vickery, where have you been? Why And why haven't you been here? That is the big question. Aiden Vickery, you have been away from a while. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you can't debate away f- facts, Asmodeus, absolutely. By the way, Dan Blackroyd is also in the YouTube chat. Again, getting to these last comments as we do need to start wrapping things up. Uh, Rosie G says, you are, forever my, you are my forever friend in our bond of hating Avatar, which is one of the worst things ever. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. If there's one thing I will re-about, it is that. How 3000. Uh, Avatar is just a simple story, but good CGI. No, again, the world, okay. The world does look beauty. Uh, the world does look pretty. The world does look beautiful. The giant blue Smurf people have not held up. I'm sorry. I don't think they ever really held up. Yeah, it got pretty, pretty boring. Pretty, pretty boring. 
Gus, what's going on? Welcome. Talking there about Andor. Laura, adding on to this, I've watched four episodes of Andor, and it's certainly well-produced, but yeah, what's the point of the show? It feels insignificant. Exactly. It's, it is the, well, it's the, it's the best produced show that they have done with Star Wars. It is absolutely the best produced show, in my opinion, but it's, it's so boring. It really is. Harwick, the Wednesday Adams actress is Jenna Ortega, who has been in a whole slew of horror movies in the last few years. She's quickly becoming today's primary scream queen. Again, I think that she does a great job in the show. Soul Assassin, I saw the first episode of Wednesday, and it's meh. I think Tim Burton lost his touch. School being Hogwarts and Mean Girls, but the actress playing Wednesday is great. Yeah, again, a lot of those issues completely on point. Yeah, absolutely. The school is essentially Hogwarts. Uh, there is this mean girls mentality as well with all these different cliques of all these different creatures and things. They're all called outcast. And again, there's a lot of just silly stuff. There's also a couple of woke lines in there too. Some of them are actually woke and others. It's like, I feel like they might be trying to play it both ways, right? At one point, Wednesday Adams actually says, are you trying to mansplain to me? But then the character responds in such a way where Wednesday recognizes that he's right. So again, it's that weird balance that they're trying to find, but the actress that plays Wednesday does such a great job. Absolutely agree there. Uh, Laura says, I did see a short video of Wednesday dancing. Oh yeah. That whole sequence. So funny. And yeah, the, the actress, again, her eyes, her control of her facial characteristics. She is a perfect Wednesday Adams. I I did not think anyone was going to be able to top what, was done in those 90s films with Christina Ricci. And I still think Christina Ricci is 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 peak Wednesday. But if we have anywhere close to a, a second, she's climbing the charts. I, I haven't finished the season because part of it is boring. Because, <laughs> again, it's not the best show in the world. Um, but she's great. I can, at the very least, absolutely say that she is she's great. Howard, Flash Gordon, Superman, Star Wars, Avatar were all inspired part original John Carter books. So by the time the movie adaptation, it looked unoriginal to people. It's a lot more than that, man. Again, I think I think really bad marketing was the bigger reason there. Soul Assassin, uh, let's see. You hear that there is no beer allowed at the soccer games, and Budweiser is going to give the beer away to the winning country. There you go. Harwick, George Lucas once said, when Steven Spielberg dies, they're going to have to drag his ghost away because he's going to still want to stick around to direct more movies. It's definitely a lot of things inspired by him. Marcus Cato, uh, oh, I'm leaving your channel and I'm announcing it in your channel. Hey, Marcus, don't don't be mean. Forever Sci-Fi, does YouTube send you a stop button if you quit? Uh, that'd be amazing if they did. <laughs> Nobody is a great fun movie. Absolutely it is. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee. For sure. Uh, Harwick, have you tried holding a magnet to steelbook to see whether it's magnetic? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the very fact that there are these... Uh, this is the one that's from from Walmart, the uh, Top Gun Maverick steelbook. It came with a magnet. So, yep. They are indeed metal. Never felt the need to test that because you can just, you can always tell. You can always tell. The weight change, there's a general feeling to it as well. All right, we are at time. So, seriously, please stop. Hardwick, you never listen, man. Stop tagging me, man. I love you. I love you. But like five, ten minutes ago, I said, if you could please stop tagging me if you've already tagged me before. 
Uh, Thunderduck over on uh, Odyssey said, The MCU will completely die when Daredevil, born again, will be less than mediocre since everybody will compare it to the Netflix show. Disney Marvel says it'll be different, but always in it being the same. It's not going to be, again, saying, oh, only then will it be completely dead. No, I mean, I feel like I feel like the complete death of it has happened so many times. I think at this point, we probably just need just to let it go, you know? King Gain Rumshki, what's going on, man? Made me look. Gary, uh, Gary Bates said, Worthington, you'll be out next round, USA, so enjoy the ride. Oh, oh, really? Oh, really, Gary, ba- Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington? Well, we shall see. We held the, we held England to a tie. So I don't, I don't know what you're expecting from England, because if they tie us, what does that say about their chances in the future? I'm just saying. You want to throw throw bricks and glass houses like that. Uh, Hardway, as family cartoons is the New Yorker. Weren't just flash in the pan, though. They lasted for decades. Yeah, absolutely. Hoping that Apple would buy Disney and the rebrand it as OCP. As ridiculous as the world has gotten, it would be fitting to have ED209s wandering the streets. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Did I hear Bill Murray is in the next Ant-Man? Seems like a weird choice for him since he's purportedly picky on films. Again, I guess if the money's right, Rosie G, that could be a part of it. But yeah, maybe that's the reason why, is because it is weird. Great Wuda, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, again, I might be skipping some comments because we are at time, and I don't want to have my Valkyrie be here longer than needed. Um, let's see. Aiden Vickery, been caring for parents this year, now caring for myself after a heart attack a month ago. Doing well here, but it's been a long road. Hey, Aiden Vickery, praying for you, man. Pray for a speedy recovery. Sorry to hear that. And um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that you're I'm hoping your parents are okay, hoping you're okay, and just know we're here for you. Uh, let's see. Jeremiah Ferrer says I've been holding out hope for a billion dollars for Black Panther, but it looks far fetched at this point. Appreciate your box office coverage. I look forward to your breakdown each week. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, some people uh, want those films to succeed. I don't, but if it does, I will of course cover it. And it has indeed made its money. And uh, it's going to continue to add to its profits. And I still think 850 to 950 is absolutely a possibility. If, if we start to see some numbers internationally that indicate anything else, I'll, I'll mention it. There's one person in my comment section who's obsessed with, like, you're not the person, by the way. But there's someone who's obsessed with this Black Panther billion dollar. And they're trying to argue that there's numbers suggesting that it's going to happen. No, 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 no. Even in my, I, my own charting for this, I've said, is it possible? Sure. But based on the numbers that we're seeing, it's not likely. The film is going to be very successful domestically. I think 500 plus million domestically. But in order to hit a billion, it would have to hit 500 million internationally. And there's just no way. There's no numbers to support that that's going to happen. There's no numbers to support that that's going to happen. Um, but anyway, with all that being said... Let's see. I think everybody has been taken care of that had asked questions um, and had not asked several questions. So with all that being said, one last look over to Rumble. I love you, Kincaid Rumshki. Thanks for holding down the fort over there. And yeah, the last comment over on Odyssey, we says Top Gun Maverick is returning to IMAX in theaters this weekend. Yeah, guys, go check that out. If you've missed out on Top Gun Maverick and you've seen it digitally or on physical media since then and you missed it, It is indeed going to be released in some IMAX theaters. So check your local theaters to see if it's getting an IMAX release near you. And if you have not seen it, please go check it out because it is a phenomenal movie. 
and it is one that I think is well worth your time. I think it's very much well worth your time. And with all of that being said, we're going to go ahead and end things there. So a huge shout-out, of course, to Tina B in the chat, Empress of the Universe, one of my Valks for being here, holding down the fort. Also, of course, to Laura, the modern major general of the story. <laughs> of the story. The modern major general of the channel for being here as well. You guys are all great. I cannot wait Saturday. Saturday, not only do we have our next... Uh, our next live stream, the next, um, I was going to say Chosen of Valhalla, but it's not Chosen of Valhalla. The next Welcome to Asgard podcast would also be the start of December. Um, I'll be trying to get some last minute things done for the giveaways channel tonight. So if you are a member at the Keep of the Bifrost level above on either Patreon, Subscribestar, or if you're a Locals member, you have access to that channel on Discord. There's currently a uh, giveaway open for the 4k steelbook of uh army of darkness so again this is currently live on the discord if you are one of the members as i mentioned earlier so i'll be picking a winner from this uh in the next day or so um one winner from that but also i'll be doing a digital code blitz where everyone who is in the north american market because that's the only one that the codes will work for uh will be able to enter in and everyone will be a winner from that. I'll try and get that set up tonight. Uh, but anyway, with all that being said, Saturday, not only do we have the Welcome to Asgard podcast, we also have at, I think, 9 or 10 a.m., depending on where you are, we have the USA versus Netherlands, I believe. Uh, soccer game, cannot wait for it. Go Team USA. Of course, I will be on this week's Friday Night Tights as well. And uh, with anyway, with all that being said, smash the like button, light the fire button, Odyssey, smash the rumble button as well. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, a blessed beginning of your Advent. Again, today we are indeed uh, one of the fairies of Advent, a commemoration for Saint Saturninus. Saturninus tomorrow is the feast of Saint Andrew, one of the apostles. So it'll be one of the days where it's actually red because he was a martyr, and. Uh, Anyway, thank you all very much. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, everybody. And it's always time for some no ice cream today, I think. The wife went to Target to get some things, and there might be some cookies. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my November Patreon subscribe star and locals members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illich. Thank you very much, Father. Garrett Searles, Jaime Irie Heimason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out on YouTube at his channel, Orange Hat Reviews, Rosetta Allen, who also has a YouTube channel that you can check out at Eagle Writer, and Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel, Miss Martin Muses, and of course, the amazing Empress of the Universe, Tina B, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Tina B, where she hosts the show with Stephanie B, one of my mods and one of my Valkyrie, called Soup to Nuts. Check out Soup to Nuts, and it premieres pretty much every Friday. So again, shout out to all of my Patreon people. Also to all my Subscribestar people. Starting off with Matt317. Check him out on Twitch at Matt317. The R. Fast Reaction. Mr. Roy. J-Rod. The Beer Guru. And Man. And Man. you can check out over at xtheboundaries.co to follow him uh, as he starts his podcast. And also uh, for many of his musical musings as well. 
Check him out. Very, very talented guy. And then lastly, my locals peeps, we got Miss Minnesota hockey fan. How about a hockey player? UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson for the win. J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lore, <laughs> the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all so very much for supporting me. And if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and video, go ahead and check out the top link in the video description below where you get access to that. Also, you get access to special things like giveaways and also uh, exclusive podcasts I do with John the Flick, Big Flickinger and other guests throughout the month of November and in the previous and, and, and the, yeah, the months to follow as well. And again, if any of that sounds interesting to you, especially the 4K giveaways, Steelbook giveaways, some of them that I have to give away this month are films like Starship Troopers on 4K Steelbook, Top Gun Maverick on 4K Steelbook, amongst many others. If that sounds interesting to you, check out the link and follow the instructions down below. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.